Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. So I want to carry on exactly from where we were last week. Let me just recap really quickly, but it's a very quick recap because uh, you're going to have to get the podcast, I'm afraid, if you want the full thing. But since Easter, we've been on a little bit of a mini-series, although uh, it probably never intended to be. At Easter, Dave kicked us off and he gave us this. He said, you can belong before you believe. And so for those of you that are maybe like not Christians or on the journey or kind of wondering about Jesus and things like that, like brilliant that you're here. You're more than welcome. Great to see you all. But then he brought a little twist. He said, like, you can belong you've got to belong and not just believe. So it's like those of you that are Christians but are just like, you know, doing your own little thing, it's like, no, no, you've got to come join someone. So why not join us? Um, And so, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. But it's the thing, right? So community, we're talking about community then, cultivating awesome community. And uh, we've been saying that um, in the same way that like you have to work at any kind of relationship, if I said to you, you've got to work at a marriage, most of us would nod and go, yeah, yeah, you've got to work at a marriage. But here's the thing, you've got to work at any kind of relationship. And uh, in church, as a community, this is a relationship, and we've got to work at it. It's no different. And James 3, it says this, it says, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results. That's what we're after, right? That's what I'm after. But only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. I love the fact that it admits it's hard work, but it's worth it. And so last, last week, um, I, want, I looked at our first point, which was cultivating community takes honesty. And sometimes when you've got honesty, you've got conflict. And, uh, you know, I don't want to give you all the eight points from last week. You can get the podcast. But here's the main thing, because we're going to refer back to it uh, a bit later on, is this look. If you take anything, it's this. Do confront people, but do so in love. Do so with building church at the forefront of your mind, mind and not out of frustration. Choose a good time, confront well, and aim for peace. And here's the thing as well, remember that confrontation is a conversation, not a headlock. So when we're talking about, you know, I always used to think of confrontation being like something like aggressive. It's like it's not aggressive, it's just a cup of coffee in a coffee shop where we go, can I have a quick word? Just got a thought for you. It's really like that. And we've got to remember when we're doing these as well that we're on the same team exactly on the same side. So when we're disagreeing with something, it's like we're for each other. If me and Dan were to have a disagreement, we're for each other. We're on it together. You know, so often we try to pitch ourselves and like, I'm in this camp and he's in that camp. I get sick of it. I work in pastoral care at a school. And so often like parents come in and they start moaning to me like, you know, you should be doing this and we should be doing that. And we start moaning back at them, which isn't great. Like, you should be doing this and what are you doing? And sometimes you have to just step back and say, just to remind you, like, we're on the same team here. We've just got different ways of doing things. So that was last week. This week we're going to move on. I'm going to get past one point. We're going to get to two at least this week, showing off. But we wanted to look at this then. So point number two is cultivating community takes humility. See, here's the thing. If you're proud, right, then you're living in opposition to God. So, like, in generally speaking, being humble is, like, a good thing. And I don't, I don't think I'm going to have to, like, convince any of you that hum- humility is a good thing. Like, you're all kind of going to nod. And if, you, if you're not, it's a bit odd, really, to go, like, I'm really, you know, whether you're, like, you're a believer or not a believer, like, no one's really a like, uh, what's the word? No one gets excited about pride. Do you know what I mean? No one goes like, I want to hang out with him because he's full of pride. Um, but it's really, really, really important for community as well. Let me tell you the why. Philippians 2, he says, when you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. That's hard, right? Do not be interested only in your own life, even harder, but be interested in the lives of others. You see, when you're humble, 
than you are interested in other people's lives. And here's the thing, right? Can I just point some, a little truth out that some of us aren't aware of? Like, when you, if you're one of the people that always talks about themselves, like, you're boring. Like, genuinely, people are boring. If you always talk about yourself, you're boring. And let me tell you why. Because we all want to talk about ourselves. And so if you're talking about yourself, I can't talk about myself. And guess what my favorite subject is? Myself. I don't want to admit that, but it's true. You know, and guess what Dan's favorite subject is? It's himself. I mean, he'll mask it with, like, you know, the FTSE 100 and things like that. But really, <laughs> it's Dan. And here's the thing. So we're trying to build church here. And uh, let me be honest, we can't build church with boring People aren't attracted to boring. People are attracted to fun, to life. And so, like, you've got to start getting a little bit humble. Here's the thing. Have anyone ever heard, like, people say, oh, I've got, like, a really interesting fact for you? I hate that. When people go, oh, I'm thinking, like, you give me the fact and I'll tell you if it's interesting. <laughs> like, genuinely. Or, like, I've got a funny story from the other day. I'm thinking, tell me the story. I'll tell you if it's funny. <laughs> so true. Um, here's the thing. One Peter says this, and this is Peter, um, the Apostle Peter, so he's one of Jesus' close friends. He says, clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Clothe yourself. You see, the idea of clothing yourself, I love that, because it's like, it admits we're not born with it. We're not born with clothes, and so we're not naturally, we have to clothe something that you choose to put on, and thankfully you've all chosen tonight. <laughs> I do appreciate it. Um, and, and so have I, so it's, it's both ways. But, but clothe yourself with it. Because here's the thing, pride, it, it blocks God's grace in our lives. But we need grace in our lives. I think we'd all admit that we need, and we're attracted to grace, but we need grace. I need God's grace all of the time. See, C.S. Lewis, um, most of us know from sort of the Narnia Chronicles, but um, famous Christian writer, really, said this. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And I've seen that lots, and people like to post it on Facebook and stuff like that and kind of go, hmm, hmm, at the end of it. But then, like, no one actually bothers to live it out because it's difficult, right, to always think of yourself less. And uh, I'd love to say I did it all the time, but I don't. But, but here's what, what I find. When I do, it works. Isn't that a coincidence? You know, that it works. So we've started to do some street work recently. Um, some of the people from the academy, we've started to go out on Wednesday evenings predominantly uh, into the parks into, and just trying to uh, get to get to know some of the youth of York. We want to try and get there. We want to try and include them in the awesome thing that is Global Church. And so if they're not going to come to us in the same way that we go to the bars at night, we're going to the youth in the parks. And so, uh, you know, a few weeks ago we went, and the first week I managed to make quite a good impression, right? And here's what I did to make a good impression. I just made a fool of myself. Like I was chasing kids up um, um, big climbing frames and doing like 100 meter dashes even though I'm really slow, which is a real embarrassment for me because I'm six foot eight. I used to always be really in the back at races and like my teachers used to say, come on, butcher, get going. I'm thinking, I'm trying. It's really embarrassing. God, I've got a big thing. There were a lot of questions to ask God. That's one of them, why I was so slow. Why am I so bad at jumping? That's another question. Like I can't slam dunk. I'm six foot eight and I can't slam dunk. It's really annoying. I have to duck under ball frames, but can't slam. Uh, honestly, you wait for judgment day. I'll go, yeah, yeah, me and good. Right, got a few questions. <laughs> when it says you're going to be perfect in heaven, I'm thinking, good, I can jump. <laughs> but anyway, let me, uh, <laughs> these are definitely my notes. <laughs> let us just give me some tips about how to be more humble. And, uh, you know, because we're all asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So number one. We want to is pray and read your Bible. And uh, let's face it, that's the Christian answer to anything. But it's true, right? If you pray and you read your Bible, you'll become more humble. 
You see, the more time you spend with God, uh, when I say the more time you spend with God, that's kind of Christianese, isn't it? But the more time you read in His Word or you're praying, you realize that you're not God and that God's a little bit different to you. In fact, God's awesome and, and you know, He loves you to bits, but you're not. <laughs> and, you know, even if the start, even if it's like, I don't know where to read the Bible, just open up the first page. It says, in the beginning, God. Well, where, what were you doing in the beginning of the time? Well, I don't know, but I know what God was doing. He was creating, and it tells you all about it. He's awesome. Later on in Job 38, one of my favorite bits is Job. He had a tough life. I don't mind him, but he starts giving a little bit back to God, saying, God, who are you type of thing? And God goes, okay, let me just give you a little list. Like, let me start off this. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? And he's like, yeah, fair point. <laughs> and where were you when I, was it stretched out the seas? And, and he just gives this whole list of, it's like a CV of what he's done. And it just reminds you that you're not God. And it's good to do that. And I know most of us will say, I know I'm not God, but then we act and think like we are. Because whoever thinks like, why has that happened? God, why have you allowed that? The moment that you think, why have you allowed that God? You're making yourself like God. Because you're thinking, I know you're pretty smart, but I've got an idea for you. You've probably never thought of this, like, don't do that. You know, um, and, and, and I can say that in a silly way, but a lot of us, we get hit up, we get annoyed with it. And so um, this week... Feel free to do the same thing if you want, actually. I thought I'd write a list. Things that I'm good at and things that God is good at and then sort of compare them. (laughs) Just to try and break the humility, you know, break the pride in me a little bit. Um, I was hoping to at least win one thing. I actually honestly nearly put about arm wrestling competition. I thought maybe I could get like a draw with that because God's never had an arm wrestle competition with me. But then it talks about the arm of God. But anyway, this is genuinely one of my lists. I was thinking of this this week then. So creating, there's the first, first category. God, he's created the whole earth, all the animal creatures in it, the seas, the mountains, the trees, plants, and everything. Me, I make quite a good vegetable chili. <laughs> Knowledge. God, he sort of knows everything. Uh, I've got an undergraduate degree, come on. And I passed my GCS English at only the second time of trying. <laughs> Family. God created and designed every living human who has ever lived and will ever live, and he invented the whole concept of family. I've got two awesome sons that I helped make. I mean, that was pretty easy, to be honest. Uh, and occasionally, I take them to the park. Love. God, he loves each person in the world, like, unconditionally. I can't get my head around that. Unconditional love. Me, I buy my wife supermarket flowers at least three times a year on average to show how much I love her. Four or five, usually, I'll be honest. I'm being humble. <laughs> but can you see how ridiculous it is to compare yourself to God? He's crackers. Let me move on. Anyway, number two. Uh, practice being genuinely interested in others, as if you were having a sponsored silence of your own ego. There you go. You see, there's, there's two quite famous books that um, they are actually Christians, or at least one of them, isn't it? But that, are kind of, that have sold millions and millions across the... Um, not non-fiction, that is, books. And one of them is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and one of them is How to Win Friends and Influence People. And both of them talk about being awesome listeners. Dale Carnegie, who wrote um, the last one, he wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People, he says this. He says, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. And I realized, like, this is probably like what Jesus was like, like, because Jesus was attractive. And I don't necessarily mean physically attractive. The Bible says he looked just like any other human. But he got invited to parties and he got invited to things that were going on. And you know what? For, for years and years, I used to think it was probably because he was like miracle boy. He could make something happen. You know, like if there was ever a dull atmosphere, it'd be like, bring Jesus in. Just do something. Woo. 
like that, as if he does anything like on demand. But, but the Bible tells us that even before he started his ministry, so even before he started doing all his miracles, he was still invited to a wedding. Number three is this lot. This is an odd point, but honestly, just do something where you risk embarrassment. It's a great way of humbling yourself. Like, do it regularly until you take yourself less seriously. And then tell someone when you mess up. Like, don't tell everyone, because that's bit pride in the mess up a little bit. So uh, maybe not Facebook, but tell people about it. You know, like, <laughs> we've got a, a, a friend, and some of you know him, he's got a cafe. And a few months ago, he, uh, he was doing a poetry night at his cafe. And he said, Seth, I'm going to do his poetry night. I went, great. And he went, would you perform? I went, I don't write poetry. Obviously, I do since, and a lot of you know that I'm very talented. But I, I said, I don't write poetry. He said, well, I could just do this. Can you read something? Because it's just like, and I thought, you know what? You're my mate. I'll do it. I said, this is no exaggeration. So there were, we turned up, there were three poets and me. And the first, the first one got up. Um, some of you know him. He goes in the morning. He said, hi, my name's, I'm just finishing off my PhD in uh, poetry. Here's a few things I wrote. Book available on Amazon. And he starts reading this book, and everyone's going, hmm, ha, ah, yeah. Second one comes up, and she's like, ah. Oh. Um, she was from Romania, I think. She goes, I've got a poem about identity. And it was beautiful, like books available on Amazon. Third poet comes up, and uh, he was selling books at like, I can't remember how much they were, like 30, 40 quid each for like, it looked like about four pages. And he was using words I've never heard of. I couldn't turn the th- so I was quick enough to find out what he was going on about. He was awesome. And then it was me. And they were like, yeah, yeah, go. And I'm like, oh, no, we've had a good night. We can leave it. <laughs> we can leave it. Like, I'm fine. And he went, no, 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 no. They all went, like, you've got to do it. And I went, no, that's fine. And honestly, I didn't know how to kill it. So I just looked at him and I went, oh, some people think poetry is not real poetry unless it rhymes. Obviously, those people are correct. And so here's my first poem, Hydrogen Peroxide in My Eye. <laughs> and they all looked at me. And at the end of it, you know, it's got the opening line is, you know, um, the world is a beautiful place, full of flowers, trees, and maize, but I can't see any of it. I've got hydrogen peroxide in my eye. <laughs> and they're all looking at me, right? <laughs> and at the end of it, there's just silence. <laughs> and I looked out and I went, this is the level I'm at. Do you want any more? <laughs> but here's the thing, risk embarrassment. See, in the, in the Gospels, Peter, he was brilliant at this. Most of us know the story of, of Jesus walking on water. But here's the thing, what you don't realize is he's one of his best mates, Peter. He also walked on water, except he started to sink a little bit. And so here's the thing. I imagine when he started to sink, and by the time everyone realized he was fine and they brought him back on the boat, I imagine he took a bit of stick for it. I imagine he did. You know, later on, um, he's the only disciple brave enough to go to Jesus, um, go to the the trial of Jesus. So uh, Jesus gets arrested, and... um, all the disciples flamed. Peter's the only one brave enough to go. But Jesus said that, listen, because he told Jesus, I'll go anywhere with you and I'll even die for you. Like, I'm up for this cause. Count me in. And Jesus went, no, 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 you'll deny me three times. And he went, no, no, I won't. And here's the thing. He does deny me three times. But isn't it awesome that he's there? Like, he's brave enough to actually be there. And here's the thing. He risked embarrassment. I imagined when he got back home, I bet they were all creasing themselves the fact that he denied him. Like, he thought he was a big man going down and then he denied. I don't know. But it's him that says, clothe yourself with humility. And Jesus, obviously, is our ultimate example for absolutely anything in life. He's awesome. And uh, I realize this. If anyone could show off, right, it's Jesus. Because, like, he's God. And so, like, that's not just great or awesome. Or, like, that's mind-blowing. I can't get my head around that. Like, he's, he's God, the Son. And this is what he said. One of my favorite verses in the whole, whole of the Bible. It says this in 2 Philippians. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, 
who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Let's carry on. One thing, one other thing that Jesus was great at then, just one other thing. He struggled with most things, but <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm just, uh, I'm losing my words and I'm trying to be good with it, but there we go. Is he was good at courtesy, at being respectful. And so cultivating community, it takes courtesy. That's my, my second point, well, third point of the, if we include last week's too. See, courtesy is this, it's respecting differences, being considerate of each other's feelings, and being patient with people who irritate us. Talks about it in 1 Peter, it says, Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, and be courteous. And so most of us, I think if I asked this room, like most of you would say, like, we're pretty respectful people. In fact, like, you know, if I said, do you respect them? Yeah, 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 I'm quite respectful. But here's the thing, like, our definition of respect usually is, like, if you're okay with, like, people of, like, different sexualities, and if you're okay with people of different ethnic backgrounds, then that's, like, the modern pinnacle of, like, and respect. You know, like, if you're all right with black people and you can deal with gay people, I can deal with that. That's me good. But Jesus, right, he says you've got to love your enemies. Like, love them. Uh, he even says to love your neighbors as yourself. Um, this morning I happened to talk about how difficult that was and forget my neighbor was actually in the room. <laughs> Don't invite your neighbors to church. But that's like a different level, right? To like love your enemies. And most of us, you know, a lot of times when I hear that, I think that's fine because I haven't got a nemesis. Like, I don't really have an enemy. I've got, it's a loving, like, my enemy is fine. So here's the thing. Let me see if I can find an enemy for you. Here's some questions for you, then. Let me see if I can pick any of these people that you're going to struggle to love. How do you feel about people who who have opposite political views to you? Let's say that, you know, they're pro-Brexit and you're... uh, pro-remain. Just a thought. Maybe that doesn't bother you. Okay, then. How do you feel about people of extreme views? Like racists, for example. What do you think about them? See, Jesus, he says, love them. How do you feel about people who support rival football teams? Some people get really bound up. For some of us, it's like, whatever. Some of us, it's like, that's a serious issue. Uh, Here, do you think? How do you feel about people who drop litter? People who chew it loudly with their mouth open? I'm not having that. People who don't wash properly and smell? People who throw up in nightclubs when you're trying to enjoy your night out. That's annoying, isn't it? When you're kind of dancing and then you'll dance around the sick. <laughs> like that. We've all been there. What about people that uh, offer to fight you in the street, on the street? Maybe you've never had that. What about dog walkers who don't pick up their poo and then you stand in it? People who steal bikes? I'm just picking on things. You know, like these are it. What about rude people? Uh, you know, I said this morning, uh, one of the rudest people I've ever met I met him for all of a few seconds, it's good, because we wouldn't have got on. But it was a, we were on a bus on the way to, from uh, university on the way to Blackpool for the day. And I think one of the buses had um, not turned up, the, so it was like it was packed, it was chocker. And it was sweaty, and I think three quarters of the bus were all hungover, and it wasn't great. It wasn't a great atmosphere. And like, the level of the bus, it came, the height of the bus was about there, no exaggeration. So people were stood up, I'm like, I can't stand there, that's, that's ridiculous. Not for an hour. So I stood in the stairway of the going up, because that's the only place I could get on. And um, there was one spare seat that on the hold of the bus, because there was this 15-year-old that was just like draped across it, and he wouldn't move. And I, I don't know if anyone had really challenged him particularly well, maybe we should have done, but he just wouldn't. And everyone was sort of giving him evil eyes in the hope that he would get it, and he just didn't. And he was loud, and he was obnoxious. 
And then all of a sudden, this old old lady came and she was really struggling to walk. You know the kind where the bus driver even waits before setting off. And she looked and she went up to the lad and saw this sort of spare seat. And she said, do you mind if I sit there? And he went, oh, if you have to, and sat down. And um, it was just horrible. And my friend, he actually apologized to the lady on behalf of our generation at the end of that because he felt so bad. It's like I've never heard anything like that. But here's your thing. How do you feel about him? See, Jesus says, love them. You know, and, and when he says, love your enemies, like he actually practiced that. When he was getting tortured and he was on a cross, he said, you know, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I'm thinking, no, Jesus, they did. <laughs> like, okay, maybe they didn't realize that you were the son of God, but they realized that they were putting you through agony. Like they realized that much, and yet he loved them. I can't get my head around that. For, for them, the people doing it, they were probably family. Family in the wider sense for Jesus, not necessarily his birth family. And so, you know, we protect those in family. We protect the dignity of people in, in this room. As a family, that's what we do. Jesus did it with Peter. So Peter, our friend who, who appears a little bit in today's uh, message, one of the things he did when Jesus was arrested is he grabs the, the sword, I think it was the, of the high priest's servant, and he chops his ear off, like, and he's like, trying to like, start some rebellion. And Jesus like, goes, whoa, 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 Peter, what are you doing? Takes, he was the high priest's servant. And, and, and they kind of go off and gets arrested. And for years and years, I've always thought that, like, that, the reason for that was to kind of, like, you know, help the high priest servant. Do you know what I mean? But I've never thought about the fact that he saved Peter his dignity as well. Because I imagine when Peter had calmed down later that night, he'd have gone, what was I doing? <laughs> and yet Jesus has already done and made it right for him. Isn't that great? You see, throughout all of this, by the way, I'm well aware that last week we talked about confrontation and now we're talking about loving and putting up with people. And it's like, is there not an opposite thing in there a little bit? But here's the thing. We still feed back. We still confront people. But people aren't going to change overnight. Like, that's just life a little bit. And because we're a movement and we're not a monument as a church, we're never going to have a nice, cozy church where everyone plays board and everyone's perfect. It's just not going to happen. Because there'll always be new people coming through that need training up and new people coming through and then new people coming through. And when you think you've got people good, you'll split your dinner party off and you'll get some more people that need training up and how to actually live life a little bit. And it's just where we're going a little bit. It's exciting, but we're going to need a lot of grace. A lot of grace. And so one of the ways of, of learning how to respect people and to have this like, courtesy is to understand where people are coming from, discover their history. You know, Stephen Covey, who wrote the, um, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said this, seek first to understand and then to be understood. It's one of the habits. And, you know, it, it sounds good again, but another thing is actually living it out around people. This is what it says the Bible uh, in Colossians. It says this, since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, with kindness. Clothe, clothe yourself with humility, with gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all else, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. You see, part of this is, well, he's kind of like not criticizing other people's views and speaking well of others. You know, you probably have noticed when they came up, like, Sam, he, he said some nice things about me. Like, he knows a lot of my secrets that he could have come out with something pretty negative. He could have said, by the way, here's the good things about Seth. Now let me, just in the interest of fairness, <laughs> let me tell you the times that he's let me down as a person. <laughs> but he didn't. And because we need to practice speaking well of people, especially amongst non-believers. It's not that we're fake, it's just that, it's just that we'll choose to speak well. And so when you meet people, you know, we were out on Friday night, um, a few of us, and we're introducing people to different people. 
And it's good to be able to like, have something ready. So, so you go, do you know what? Hey, this is Lucy. You're going to love Lucy. She's got this awesome choir that she's made. This is Katie. You want to see how great she is with little kids. She's awesome at it, right? This is Sam, one of the biggest encouragers in our church, who made, also makes good music, but he needs to share it a little bit more. You know, whatever it is, it's about like having that, that way of, of um, speaking well of people. So here's a question for you, look, as we're slowly kind of on the, sort of towards the end, but is this, when we're trying to build a, a community, how many of your mates are like you, like just like you? I mean, like, so I get that birds of a feather flock together and we're naturally attracted to people like ourselves, I get that. But here's the problem, when you, th- when you throw church in the mix, we're full of people that wouldn't normally hang out together. In another area of life, as a group, we're not here now. It doesn't make sense, it's just an odd bunch of people together. Some of us, you might get on with some people, but others maybe less so. It's just odd. And so we've got to learn to respect other people's differences. And so for some of us, it's easier than, o- than, than others, but all of us have got to learn. You know, I grew up in Nottingham, and in Nottingham, um, I, just, I, I got to know a lot of different people because there's a lot of poverty. And so I had people that, like, I had friends that were really, really rich. I had friends from different religious backgrounds. I had friends who were carrying the guns at the time of the gun crime capital like I knew some of the people kept a slight distance but I knew them um, I, and I had um, I was friends with cool people I was friends with scruffy people so now genuinely take me like a banker from London or like um, a fisherman from Spain and I'll find common ground with each one of them but that takes time and that's a skill and it really is a skill and so but it's a skill that we need to learn in church because here's a thing like we're a family and so in family we've got to get to know each other a little bit also we've got to kind of get to learn to love each other and so you've got to learn to love people that aren't necessarily like you. You know, my, um, I've got two brother-in-laws, and I didn't choose either of them. <laughs> Just a thought, right? I mean, my sister chose one of them, and my sister-in-law chose the other, and that's good. It's how it should be. <laughs> I wouldn't have expected to be part of that process. That would be weird. But, but in the same way that you're not going to choose everyone that comes to this church. And so my brother-in-law, one of them, right, he likes sci-fi. Yep. Uh, and the other one likes drone photography. Like, I've no interest in either of those things. But here's the thing. I'm trying. And I genuinely am trying. Why? Because I want to connect with them. I want to be good to them. I want, when I hang out with them, I want to have some good stories. So tell me about your drone photography. What magazine cover have you been on now? I really am trying. And the Apostle Paul, he says this. And this is key. This is where we're going. Why are we trying to build this awesome community? Is this. He said, um, I, have been, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. See, the Apostle Paul, let me just explain. He was a church planter. He was actually an enemy of, of, of Jesus. He went around trying to kill all, the, all the, the Christians. And then in the same way that Jesus, when Jesus says, love your enemies, well, he loved him so much that he chose him out of all people to, to be the, f- the first great big church planter of the Christian faith. And so Paul, in the same way that we're doing as global church, he went around and traveled the world planting new churches. And so he was absolutely desperate because he, he recognized that Jesus was true. The story of trees is he met Jesus, and so he was desperate to tell absolutely everyone, and so he did absolutely everything he could to find what they call common ground with people, to get in with people, to, to align themselves with their way of thoughts, but also to tell them and to get on side. You know, um, he, <laughs> he had like, a, like an understudy, like a number two called Timothy, and um, the, he had a real heart for the Jewish people, and of course Jewish people have you know, several different sort of customs, but one of them is, is the circumcision. And so he gets, Timothy, he makes him get circumcised. Like the thought of it alone, 
in particular nice. But he says, listen, Timothy, like, I want you to get circumcised. And he's like, because I want to reach the Jews. And at the moment, that's a barrier. How did they know is what I think. But anyway, it's another little thing. <laughs> like, I can't. But it was a barrier to them. And so he said, listen, I want to remove that barrier. And so like, you're going to have to go through some pain. And this is like not mod- modern medicine. But here's the thing, when he says he wants to become all things to all men, that's what he is. I mean, that makes like finding out and reading about sci-fi a lot easier, right? I'd much rather do that. But here's the thing, because one of our values is um, that we're real. There we go. And we're relevant. And to be relevant, the idea of being relevant is so we can connect with people. We want to try and reach people. We're trying to build awesome churches here, awesome communities. We want to reach the world and tell them the good news about Jesus, the fact that Jesus loves us. And that he's for us and that he's not against us. And, uh, and we can't do that unless we can connect with people. And finding mutual ground is just one of the, not the, one of the ways, but it's, it's, it's the way in which we connect with others. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website, 